0: God is good, all the time, good morning brothers and sisters, Uh, Damien opened up her Sunday school by saying it's a good winter spring morning, it sure has been an interesting weekend, but God is good and I trust you are excited to be here this morning to worship, we're going again to 1st Peter. Did you ever meet someone and they said, oh, yes, I heard about you? And it kind of catches you off guard. And they say, oh, no, it was all good. Actually, I'm glad to meet you. Wow. Did that ever happen to you? I hope it has. But the feeling that comes after, oh, man, they heard something good about me. What was it? And our human state is excited or feels good when we were commended by somebody else. Or maybe you met someone and you say, oh, I'm related to so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I know them. And then it's a source of discussion and leads into a nice conversation. Or maybe somebody comes up to you and, are you so-and-so or related? No, don't know them. And there's an awkward pause and (laughs) transition forward. But when there's a connection with you, maybe somebody you didn't know, Ah, you have common ground. And you're ready to move forward. There's purpose in the conversation ahead. Peter met somebody when he met Jesus for the first time. There was some uh, initial impressions that were given. Turn to John. You might have turned to 1 Peter already. I'm going to tell you to turn to John 1. I would like to look at when Peter met Jesus. John 1. Verse 42, so here we have Jesus just starting his ministry. He is meeting the disciples, and as the disciples are coming to him, he meets Andrew, and Andrew runs and gets his brother, Simon Peter, jumping in at verse 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon, and said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And we all know Peter, the bold one, says, well, let's go see him. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, hey, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now imagine Peter's, oh no, let's first imagine this. Imagine you met somebody, hey, you're so-and-so, but actually your name's going to be this. I imagine Peter was caught off guard, but the, the name that Jesus gave him comes up in our passage today that we're going to look at. Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, that's who you are, but Peter, but Simon, you are going to be called Cephas, which is by interpretation, a stone. Peter, you're going to be the rock. Imagine what was going through Peter. In this initial meeting, wow, this man already has given me another name. And through that name, I think Peter receives purpose for his following Jesus. The next question I would like to pose is Did you ever lack purpose in life? Maybe I should ask, What is purpose? Simply, why do you do something? Or why do you do the thing that you do? Why? You ever ask yourself why? Why am I doing this? Sometimes I do. There's a difference between vision and purpose. Vision is the what. We talk about we need vision. Where are we going? What are we going to do to get there? Purpose is the why. Why am I doing this? And sometimes I ask, why am I doing this? And this morning as we look at 1 Peter, I want us to see ourselves as lively stones. So we revive in us a purpose for life. We're going to talk about lively stones this morning. And I want us to get a glimpse of our purpose in life. Why do we do it? And if anybody knew about stones and rocks, Peter did. He was the rock. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 2, we are going to this morning. And I've entitled the sermon this morning, Living Stones. Living Stones. Now, what's our theme going through 1 Peter? Lively hope. hope. Say that all together. What's our theme going through 1 Peter? Lively Lively hope. Let's keep remembering that as we take this walk. And as we remembered from the first chapter, we saw that hope, that hope for eternal life. What was our response to that? We rejoiced. Okay, we're rejoicing. And then at the end of chapter 1, Peter calls us to a holy life. Living holy. And when we pursue a holy life, what's the response? we see God's grace. Go to chapter 2, verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When we pursue a holy life, that's when we experience God's graciousness to us. And now we're ready for living stones. What is a living stone? Join with me. 1 Peter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 4 and 10. To whom coming... As unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures. Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." Dear God, as we take a look at this passage this morning from 1 Peter, may you give us a glimpse of the purpose that each one of us has as living stones in your kingdom. Speak to us. Be over the service now. In Jesus' name, amen. A stone. If I was to ask you what's a living stone, what would you say? It seems kind of oxymoronic. A living stone. When we think of a stone, I think of something dead. I went out to the parking lot this morning and got a little stone. Nothing looks alive in this. But Peter says here, to whom coming? So what is he coming out of? We're desiring the milk of the Word. We're coming to God. We're experiencing that He is gracious. We're coming to Him. Now coming is a continual process. We don't come once and experience God's grace. We come again and again. It's a habitual. It's living in His presence. Which leaves us with the question, where do I go to get filled? Where do we go? Are we continually, habitually, living in God's presence? To whom coming? And why are we coming there? Because It's a living stone. And I think Peter was referring here to the stones or the idols that was common in culture of the day. They had idols that they went to worship. The Greeks and the Romans. They were dead. There was nothing to them. Yet they went there again and again offering sacrifices, thinking that it would save them. Peter says, No. This stone that we come to is living. There's life in it. This living stone was what? You think if there was a stone that moved or walked by itself, awed by it. So if people are revealed to the living stone, Jesus, you think they would be awed by it and want to know more? But instead, Peter says they disallowed it. Rejected. They turned away from it. But even though men chose to turn away from it, what is this living stone? It's chosen of God and precious. When you, see, when you have something precious, you're going to treasure it. And part of the coming to the living stone Jesus is treasuring it. It's precious to us. We don't reject it. But we know that's where we can get life. Alright, so we're coming habitually to the living stone. It's precious. We treasure it. When we do that, what happens? Verse 5. Ye also then can be living stones. Huh. You're dead. You know, as humans, we are dead stones. We're nothing. But when we come to Jesus, we can be living stones. Now, these stones are all dead. But imagine if they somehow all of a sudden had life. That's what happens. That's the miracle that happens when we come to Jesus. Dead stones can be turned living. That's a miracle, brothers and sisters. When we come, we can be lively stones. Now, the, the word stone here that is used in this passage is lithos, which means a small stone. Do you know what the, the word for Peter meant? Cephas. Rock. Is this what you picture when you picture a rock? Rock. No, this is gravel. This is stone. When I picture a rock, I picture something like this. When when Jesus was talking to Peter, he called him a rock, a foundation. And later on, Jesus goes on to say, upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't referring to Peter, but he called Peter a foundation in the church. Peter was very instrumental in the early church. And here I see that Peter does not try to use that word rock. Instead, he uses the word stone. He saves the word rock for referring to Jesus. So, a little bit of background of what the word stone means here as we go through this passage. So, we come to Jesus and we are lively stones. What happens when there's life? They can be used. You don't use dead things. You use live things. Why? You are built up a spiritual house. When we come to God, we are lively stones. And Jesus no longer views us as stones, dead stones, but rather building blocks in a spiritual house. Now, I brought some building blocks along this morning. Anybody want to play a little game with me? Good old Jenga. Now, when we come to Jesus, He sees us as we're dead stones. We become alive. And through that life, He now views us as building blocks that can be built up. Now, here I'm building a physical Structure, I should get artistic here and build a house actually. But when we are living stones, we can then be a part of a structure, a spiritual house. Wow, that gives me purpose. I'm a part of something bigger. Even though I'm dead, I'm now alive and I can be a part of a structure. And here we see a reference to the spiritual house. Now, this morning, actually, Saturday night, we go to bed and Kratora asks, What's tomorrow? Sunday. Well, what do we do on Sunday? How do you answer your children? What do you do on Sunday? We go to church. So, Alex, is this church? Part of church. Part of church. You see, we have used the term church to say the place where we come to. But really, an old term, maybe Lester knows this term, what did they used to call church? The meeting house. This is the meeting house. We are a part of the church. Yes, we use the term church to call the place where we go on a Sunday, and that's okay. But we need to understand that as living stones, we are part of a church. We come here to the meeting house to show that we are part Of a spiritual house. We're alive. And we're building up the spiritual house. Sometimes it may look like the church's rubble. (laughs) It's just stones. But God views us as a spiritual structure. A spiritual house. So, we're part of the spiritual house. We're also a holy priesthood. Flip with me back to Leviticus 21. What comes to your mind when you think of a priest? Going back to the Old Testament. What was required of priests? So at the time of Peter writing this, that is all they knew as priesthood. The Old Testament priesthood structure. And I'm not going to take the time to read through, but chapter 21 starts the instructions for priesthood. It talks about their family. Verse 4, he should not defile himself. Verse 5, thou shalt not make boldness come upon thy head. 6, you should be holy unto the Lord. Thou shalt not take a wife who is a whore. Verse 8, thou shalt sanctify him therefore. Keep on going down through. It continues listing the instructions for priests. And as I read down through, wow. That is quite a calling. Those who were called to the priesthood in the Old Testament had quite a list to follow. Does that mean then that is the same for us? I think what Peter was trying to illustrate here is that it was sim- our priesthood today is symbolic of the Old Testament priesthood. What were the priests doing? They were the mediators between God and man. Likewise today, the church is to be the vehicle of knowledge and salvation to God to the nations of the earth. That is our calling as priest. The same way the priests of the Old Testament were the mediators between God and the people, the church today is called to be be the mediator between the salvation story and the nations. That's a calling, brothers and sisters. There's life in that. There's purpose in that. A holy priesthood. That's what we are called to. And why are we called to that? What's the next phrase in verse 5? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? We could maybe list a couple of them. Romans 12.1 says the body... Philippians 2.17, faith. Philippians 4, good works. Hebrews 13, praise to God. So brothers and sisters, as dead stones become living stones, we are part of the spiritual house, the priesthood. Therefore, we are called to offer up spiritual sacrifices, our body, faith, good works, praise to God. That gives us purpose in the things that we do. And these spiritual sacrifices are supposed to be acceptable to God. And that completes the first part or the first sentence there of this section which is talking about the building. This is the building, the spiritual house, a spiritual building per se. In Exodus 19:6, God had wanted Israel to be a priesthood. This is what it says. He's he's telling Moses to tell the children of Israel this, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. God wanted the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, to be that priesthood. However, they failed. Jesus comes along and now we are called to be those priests, the mediator. Now, if you know anything about building... What does a good building need? Foundation, obviously, right? It needs a foundation. Go to the next verse. Verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. As priests now, as living stones, we have a foundation to go through that gives us purpose in our calling, in our priesthood, as we are mediators to the nations. It was said before in scriptures. Peter said, God said it. It's laid out. Zion can be interpreted interpreted Zion or Jerusalem. Pointing to Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Do you know what a cornerstone is? I was going to take a picture this morning of our house. And try to put it on the projector. I did not do that. But if you take a look at a stone house. I was very intrigued by it. There's Looks like there's stones uh, throughout the wall. But if I go to the corner of our house, they have big stones set going the whole way up through, staggered back and forth. And they are big things. I hope they had some for pulley system when they were putting up the house. That cornerstone is what what Peter is referring to, to here in Jesus. And... I tried to come up with an idea for a foundation. We're, we're gonna imagine the pulpit as our foundation. It is a much bigger piece of wood than my blocks here. It is a foundation that is secure. It's gonna be hard to move it. If I tried to use one of these as a foundation, it gets a little wobbly. Now that's the whole part of this Jenga game, I guess, to see how long you can keep it standing. But a foundation of one of those blocks will not work. However, if we put a foundation of Jesus, something big, something we can go back to, that gives us purpose in our calling as priests. What happens when we go back to the foundation, when we go to Jesus? He's elect, he's precious. And whoever believes on him shall not be confounded. What does confounded mean? You're not going to be put to shame. God's going to give you the direction. The foundation for our spiritual house is Jesus. So we have the building. We have the foundation. Verse 7 and 8 segue into the design. Now you can have a good foundation. You have a structure. But it's also on how it's designed is how it's going to stand the test of time. And that's our choice in how it is designed. Go to verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe He is precious. So if you believe, your design is going to be just fine because your foundation is on Jesus. And we can talk about practical ways to show our foundation is on Jesus. But we choose that. It's that simple. It's going to work. But those unto them which be disobedient, going against God's plan, the stone which the builders disallowed, the stone... Of Jesus, the chief cornerstone that they rejected. It was made the head of the corner. Even though they rejected them, it is still the cornerstone. But what does it do to those who are disobedient? It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You ever meet somebody who just can't quite believe? They want it their way? This is is who Peter is referring to. Those who do not want to obey, those who do not want to come to the living stone to experience God's grace, they're the ones that are going to stumble. And if I put the rock down here and I walked along, maybe blindfolded myself, I'm going to stumble. That's what it causes to those who disobey. A stone of stumbling. The end of verse 8 almost implies that Jesus appoints ahead of time who's going to stumble. No, it is saying that whoever chooses to disobey, God appoints them to this stumbling, this disobedience. So, if we come to Jesus, we can be living stones. We can be part of a spiritual structure. Our foundation is on Jesus. The design of our building is dependent on us choosing to obey. When we choose to obey, the design Will serve its purpose. And now to the climax of the matter. As living stones, our purpose going forward. I asked you before, do you have purpose? Do you ever ask why? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Wow. How I many Uh, maybe when you were younger, played a game out on the basketball court, volleyball court, and you picked up teams. You picked two captains, and hey, I went landing on my team, and you just hope you weren't the last one, right? You like to be one of the first that were chosen. This is what Jesus is saying here. I'm choosing you. You're a chosen generation. That shows grace. Remember, we need to view ourselves as dead stones, But God chose us when we come to Him to be living stones. A royal priesthood. Royal royal speaks of kingly descendants. Ah, I want to be the descendant of a king. A holy nation. You are set apart. A peculiar people. Now sometimes we often associate the word peculiar with kind of strange. But peculiar here is used in the terms of special. Set apart. Called for a specific purpose. We are God's people. And this all comes after we are part of a spiritual house. And again, this is just symbolic of something spiritual. I wanted to give us something visual to take a look at this morning. When we do that, we are chosen, royal, holy, peculiar people. Why? Brothers and sisters, this is the purpose of our spiritual house that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We were dead, yet through the living stone we are alive in a part of a spiritual house. That gives you purpose. That gives me purpose. Our lives should radiate the marvelous light. If we're not radiating the experience Of being made alive in Christ? That's a scary place. How do we show forth the praises of Him who hath called you? Share your personal testimony. Have it on the tip of your tongue. Be ready to share with those you meet what God is doing in your life. That is how you can show what Jesus did in you. Showing people that we came from dead stones to living part of a spiritual house. Because why? Brothers and sisters, verse 10 which in time past were not a people. There was a time when you weren't even, you were a nobody. You were dead. Yet through Christ, what? You were the people of God. You were without mercy. But now through Christ, we can obtain mercy. Ah. That is what happens when we are part of the spiritual house. So, as we look at this passage and see that we can only be made alive through coming through Christ, we are part of a spiritual house. We come to this meeting house to show we are part of the bigger church. That should give you purpose. And sometimes we need to come back to that purpose to show forth the praises of Him to give us vision to where we need to go. The why. Why are we doing it? Turn with me to Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. What happens here? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, hey, disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered, they say that thou art John the Baptist. I'm in verse 14. Some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter. You're the rock. You're a foundation in the early church. And your foundation is me. I almost picture him taking his finger from Peter and pointing to himself and saying, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell, were are not going to prevail against it. I'm going to give you the keys to do that. Brothers and sisters, when we are a part of the spiritual house, we are now a part, we are a living rock. We are a part of a spiritual house and we are all needed Lively stones have purpose. This statement here gave Peter purpose in leading the church that is to come. Do you view yourself as a rock? Or do you view yourself as just one of the Jenga blocks that can be removed? It's still standing. They don't need me. What's my purpose here? You keep taking them out. It's losing its strength. Brothers and sisters, each one of you has a purpose in the spiritual house of God. How are you revealing the praises of him who called you from darkness? We need each block. And because we come to Jesus, we can be alive. That gives us purpose for life. Are you aiding the building's purpose? Are you pursuing things that are personal? We all have different callings. Sometimes you might look around and say, he's doing that, she's doing that, why can't I do that? Serve your purpose. You have a purpose. We need each block. Another thing with lively stones. So a dead stone comes to Jesus He's now alive. He's a building block in the spiritual house. If he wants to start building a spiritual house by himself, he isn't going to get anywhere. But if he goes and joins a part of another spiritual house, that's when he can be a part of something bigger. Brothers and sisters, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need to be a part of a bigger spiritual house. Brothers and sisters around us. Two questions. Are you aiding the building's purpose? Are you revealing the praises of God? Are you sharing your personal testimony? Our response in current events tells a lot where our purpose is. Inflation, gas prices, Ukraine. We don't need to face these times in fear. We can face them with confidence being a part of a spiritual house with our foundation on Jesus. That will stand the test of times. To end it, remember, we come to Jesus. We are dead and alive. We are part of a spiritual house. How are you aiding the cause of God's spiritual house? How are you revealing the praises of God? Living stones have purpose. And I want each of you to hear that this morning. Each of you has purpose through life in Christ. Heavenly Father, we come before you and I thank you for Peter's illustration of a spiritual house. We're dead, but alive in you. We're part of a bigger picture, the spiritual house. We're supposed to be bringing spiritual sacrifices to you. And it's glorious. That gives us purpose. In a world today where many lack purpose, why they do the things, pursuing their own purposes, may we look to you and the body of Christ for purpose in revealing your praises of where you brought us from and share that with those around. May we be living stones with purpose, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen.